Um, welcome to all of you who join us online. Destiny Table, New York. God bless you. Um, we're so thankful for our family in New York. Let's just all say thank you to our online family who are joining us. We welcome you. God bless you. Glad you're with us today. I do want to mention to you that um, you see the cards on your seats, but the final Sunday in June is always our day to celebrate um, our freedom and independence, and we'll have a big fireworks show, and we're, we're working out all those details uh, as we do each year for that. But on that particular Sunday morning, we want to have water baptism during our service. And, you know, Jesus demonstrated something that we need to pay attention to as the body of Christ, and he was baptized in water. So if you've not been baptized in water as a declaration of salvation and more than that, as an embrace and an attitude of faith, that there's something about the Israelites coming out of Egypt, passing through water, and that which held them captive perished in the water that day. When we connect our faith to this important act in our lives, how many of you know some strongholds can be broken in our lives? Some people haven't understood water baptism. They thought it was more of a symbolic expression, but it is deeply spiritual, and Jesus emphasized, and when Jesus emphasized something, we never want to minimize it. We want to embrace it and exhaust it for everything he's desiring for us to understand. So uh, you can fill out a Connect card. Uh, I forgot my Bible. Would you hand me my Bible? Thank you. My, my sword bearer today. But you can fill out a Connect card if you're interested in um, water baptism on that last Sunday in June, and we'll follow up with some details. It'll be a great morning of just celebrating, and then that evening will be all of our celebration and fireworks and so on. We're going to talk about our core text out of Philippians 4, and I'm encouraging you to bring your Bible. So if you have your old-fashioned Bible that smells like leather, then... Uh, you can start finding your way to Philippians 4. I'm going to take you through a bunch of verses today, and we're going to put those up because I want to drive you into a little bit of an understanding uh, of something that I felt like a few weeks ago the Lord actually um, prompted me to begin to prepare for for this day. In fact, uh, Josh, I mentioned Josh and Andrew sitting up here. Uh, Josh spoke this word in Tuesday morning, 6 a.m. prayer. And it so deeply resonated in me for us that I felt like this is a word that I'm to bring on the day that we all uh, come together. So it's very aligning to the season that we're in as we're talking about algorithms. We're learning what that uh, really looks like and means, not just in the natural, but more than that. And, and I, this week, just kind of, you know, I'm redefining things as we walk through a season. We really don't do a series anymore. We don't want to try and package something and market something and resemble the world system in the way we walk out the very revelation of God. There's something sacred about what God wants to reveal in the church, and we're learning this uh, and having to relearn some things, actually, in this whole process. Uh, but ultimately, this week, just as I was praying into what this is, I just felt like the Lord was reminding me once again Algorithms speak of unseen contributors. I want you to think about it. How many of you know right now you're hearing me, but there are unseen contributors? There's history in your life. There's circumstances maybe going on this afternoon. You're having to focus in, uh, you know, from a variety of maybe different things trying to demand your attention. There are always these unseen contributors that exist. Unseen contributors they, uh, they exist and, and they affect the conclusions that we have, the decisions that we make, and the behavior that we see. Uh, you got to understand, behavior that is observable in a person's life is not the essence of the behavior in and of itself. There's something deeper going on producing that expression in a person's life, good or bad. 
And so this is the essence of understanding algorithms, how the Lord's desiring to really establish that, which is deeply embedded within our lives, reorganize what needs to be reorganized. Behavior modification is actually not what we should be focusing on the church. We don't want to just try and modify behavior. We want to go deeper to the root structure that exists in a person's heart. And there is where we find true transformation as God's kingdom begins to be awakened in a deeper level of our lives. So you and I have actually been given this power to become the sons and daughters of God, as the Bible describes. This is an incredible power. This is God's master design that exists within us. It's this elaborately perpetual, ultimately unstoppable process of taking that which you internalize and expressing it as a result of your life. You have this gift in you. You have this system in you. It's described in John chapter 1, verse 12. It says, but as many as received him, as many as received Christ. If you've received Christ, would you say amen? You've been given this. As many as received him, he gave power to become the sons of God or the sons and daughters of God, even to them that believe on his name. You've been given what? Power to become you have power to become. There's a process within you that has actually initiated for you the power to become, and you are in the process of becoming the next level you. So being guarded about what you're processing actually will protect what it is that God's desiring for you to become. So we are all in the process of becoming, and what we process determines who we become. That's the essence of where we are in this season of the church. And so I'm going to read you four verses of Scripture. All four of these verses of Scripture are going to use the same Hebrew word, but they're going to be translated differently. See if you can figure out what the word is, okay? The first verse is Psalms 35, verse 27, and we see where this word translates prosperity. The Lord be magnified who delights in the prosperity of his servant. And then we look at 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 21, and we see this word translates, this Hebrew word translates into the English as the word safe. And it just says, as the Lord lives, you are safe. So we have prosperity and then the sense of safety, security, protection. And then we see this word in 2 Samuel 18, 28. Then he called out to the king. It's one word that we've translated into three words as the expression all is well. So you've got prosperity, safety, and all is well, or wellness. Anybody know what this word is yet? Very common greeting if you go to Israel, and here's where you're going to figure it out for sure. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. You will keep in perfect, say it, peace. peace. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. The word shalom appears 237 times in the Bible. This is a pretty important word. Predominantly what we find, the majority of times this word shows up, it is translated peace. But it also translates all these other things. The, the next common translation of the word shalom after peace is prosperity. 
So it does make sense, doesn't it? Because how many of you have ever not had the money to pay a bill and you found yourself fighting to keep your peace? Can I just see that's ever happened? And so it makes sense, shalom, peace, prosperity, and wellness and health uh, or safety, all these things, it plays into it. Because if you've ever, health, if you've ever gone to the doctor and the doctor gave you a report that was contrary to the report of the Lord of health and wellness and we declare healing and strength today, what am I doing? Releasing shalom in the room when we might have a challenge that comes our way. But when that challenge comes, we're, we're immediately fighting for our peace. That's what this is. This shalom from, from heaven is really an expression of God's kingdom that awakens something fulfilling the prophecies and declarations of his word in the earth and in our lives. Peace is the assignment of the church. That was the statement that I heard. That It just came alive. Peace is the assignment of the church. Shalom is the assignment of the church. Process what God is revealing right now and let that become the expression of your life as we say, yes, amen, I receive it, I release it, I declare it, I am here because the kingdom of God is awakened within my life and I will be an expression of heaven in the earth. Shalom. Now, here's the problem. We hear what we hear through the filter of what we've decided to believe. And we apply according to how we want to apply in different areas of our lives. But you have to understand, shalom, peace, wellness, protection, safety. The book of Revelation was not written to us so that we would build bunkers to hide in to preserve ourselves. Nobody claps alone in this church. Come on, we agree. We agree in the name of Jesus. The book of Revelation wasn't written so that we would be fearful and lose our peace. The book of Revelation was written so that we would have a deeper sense of conviction in the expression of the confidence of the Lord. In the fear of the Lord is a strong confidence. And out of a deeper sense of conviction, understanding we are part of the rescue team that actually God has sent into the earth. Once you came to know the Lord Jesus Christ, you became a part of the rescue team. Not a part of the self-preservation team. And when people are taking eschatological conclusions and, and spewing them out there to freak out the sheep. It just goes all over me because you are not supposed to be living in a spirit of fear, but love and power and a sound mind rise up in the shalom of God in your life. We today are warring for peace. I'm convinced of it. More than we realize. I believe your amens and your, your hallelujahs or however your expression is, your hand clap of praise that hits the enemy away, I believe we're releasing something today over our lives, over our family, over our household, over our children, over our neighborhoods, over our workplace, over our land, over our state, over our nation, over the nations of the world. Let the kingdom of God invade the earth in Jesus' mighty name. This is our assignment. And we're fighting for peace. Today on this weekend of celebration, we're so thankful for freedom and peace. It didn't come without a fight. It hasn't happened without war. 
And you and I are engaging, I believe, in a very significant moment to fight for peace that the enemy wants to try and rob you of because if he can take your peace, you'll lose your faith. You'll just suddenly step into fear. You have no peace. Shalom is this powerful deposit that exists within us that erupts from us to transform the world around us when we begin to process the presence of God well. So I want us to see this in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything. I mean, I, before I even read on, let me just ask, how many know confession is good for the soul? How many of you right now would admit, and I'm, I'm literally looking for honesty from everyone in the room, posted in the field online, if you're joining us online, how many of you would admit, I right now feel anxious about something? Just go ahead. <laughs> I feel anxious about something. That is vastly the crew here. That's almost all of us. Do not be anxious about anything, yet many of us are anxious about something. Let me just say again, we're fighting for peace today. I believe that you can embrace what God's desiring to reveal, and he awakens something within you that you'll walk out of this room today in a greater sense of peace than it was that you walked in. Do not be anxious about anything, But in every situation, every single situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, really key, present your request to God, and what? The peace of God, which transcends or passes all understanding, will guard and protect. It'll guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It'll guard your heart. It'll guard your mind. Your thoughts won't run wild. You won't start Googling the 45 ways you can die from the symptom you found out that you had last week. I mean, stop losing your mind over circumstances that come your way and rise up in peace, confidence in the Lord your God. In the beginning, all creation was in this state of shalom, this perfect environment for Adam and Eve to flourish and thrive. This is the Genesis 1 Adam, not the Genesis 3 fallen Adam. In the beginning, it was this perfect environment. It was just this incredible place where the infinite creator of all things was in complete harmony with all that he had created. And then sin began to wage war, and suddenly the shalom of God fell under attack, causing the world to fall in this place of brokenness, and spiritual confusion and chaos began to abound. We lost shalom in the earth. Do you understand this? you understand what I'm saying? Like, this is very significant, and, and recognize, you probably have heard the definition, and it's great reality, especially with what I'm talking about. It helps us understand it. Um, poverty is the absence of shalom in all of its forms. The deprivation that humanity experienced in the fall from grace and the presence of God no longer being the centerpiece and the interaction and conversation with God, no longer being front and center, brought them into all kinds of things that they started to, to draw in and process and think about that they should have never thought about. That's why guarding your heart is so very important that we're allowing the right things to actually transact within us to begin to produce you are mighty sons and daughters of God in the 
earth. And you are here to release shalom. Peace is the assignment of the church. So shalom in the earth was lost, fell under absolute assault. And then guess what God's answer to this deprivation that began to happen in the earth? His answer, his, his answer is, what's his name? Jesus. The prince of? Hmm. I mean, you know, there's a lot deeper reality to that statement and that verse of Scripture than what maybe we've ever really even understood. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of, there it is, Shalom. It's one of the 230 plus times we find this word interpreted in Scripture. And Jesus is the prince of, the redeemer of, the restorer of, the captain of. He is the overseer of, the one that's trying to awaken within you right now. No matter what your circumstances have been, no matter how difficult your life has become, he is trying to awaken something of confidence that comes from the Lord your God that the world cannot take away from you no matter what the situation may try to say. The reason all of this is so important is because this is a fight of faith. It's not just a fight for your shalom. It's a fight for the restoration of all shalom in the earth. That's why the Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, Blessed are the what? Peacemakers. Peacemakers. I want you to think about this through the filter of our conversation today. For they will be called sons and daughters of God. So he's put this ability within you to, uh, to walk in the process of becoming where you process certain things and become everything he designed you to be. And you are the ones in the earth that make peace. You are the ones in the earth that create shalom. You are the ones in the earth that produce and release the very shalom of God that actually has the power to replenish the earth, change your workplace, wake up your children in their stupor of confusion and disconnection from the very purposes of God. I say today, you and your house will be saved. I'm declaring in Jesus' mighty name, God is awakening something of a declaration of shalom. In Jesus' name, we're warring. We're warring for our kids. We're warring for our legacy. We are warring for the kingdom of God. We are called to process the atmosphere of God's promises we process the atmosphere of his promises. We process the atmosphere of his presence. And we process the atmosphere of meaningful community and connection with God's people. These three things are hugely important in you becoming everything God's called you to become. There is a lot of spiritual dysfunction that exists in our world today. You need to understand that. But there can be no spiritual dysfunction in the person's life that actually gives themselves fully to the promises and the presence and the people of God. You start to lessen all these areas. And over time, all the issues that you're contending with begin to be eradicated in 
your life. Confess your faults one to another. Pray for each other. And what? You'll be healed. And so it's important that we understand this. Some people are great at promises, but they are awful at friendship and relationship. And the enemy would sift you into a place where maybe you disconnect from people, but you're given to a religious pursuit. Or maybe you connect well with people, but you really aren't into the Word. And gathering together, you know, this whole thing coming together as the church, uh, that's just not necessarily for me. I just say to you, God wants you to be everything he's designed you to be and desires you to be, and you have to process his way of thinking in order to get from here to there. That's why we gather. That's why we celebrate his word. That's why I'm asking you, bring your Bibles. It's not a religious rule. I'm not trying to implement legalism. It's just a declaration for all of us. What really matters? We're demonstrating what really matters. We come together, we gather together. Listen, do not give God casual uh, worship in response to his elaborate, extravagant grace. We want to give him our very best. When we worship the Lord, I want to call on you to just give yourself a little bit deeper in the pursuit, passionately pursuing the Lord your God. You, you, you'll break the spirit of materialism off of your life if you learn God's plan for generosity and giving when we bring tithes and offerings before the Lord our God. I won't back away from this. This is such an important principle that you understand. It triggers and releases something powerful of shalom in your heart and your life and the earth. And, and find the giving stations. Get on the app. Figure out how to give online. Uh, ask us the question on the you know, the, community, the, the connect card, if you, if you need help with this because we don't pass buckets, we want you to do this as a personal act of worship out of your own heart. Not an act of compulsion where we're trying to get you to pay bills on behalf of the church, but this is an expression of worship where something spiritual is transacting in your life and it awakens the shalom of God in your heart and in the earth. And as a church, as we gather in these principles, something powerful begins to be processed and it affects more than just us. In 2009, Dr. Martin Gossner was researching the resilience of tree bark. He actually sprayed the oldest tree in the Bavarian Forest National Park. And he sprayed it with this insecticide. All the organisms that were living on or in the bark of this particular tree that he sprayed fell to the earth. And the study began. He actually collected 2,041 insects, animals, and other organisms belonging to 257 species from this single tree. Why? Because a tree is not just a tree. A tree is an ecosystem. The reason I bring this up is because you and I are likened to trees in the Bible. The planting of the Lord will be like a tree planted by these streams of living water. We are a spiritual ecosystem affecting and producing life beyond what you can comprehend or understand. That's why it's vitally important that we embrace what God is desiring to reveal and produce and release that shalom in the earth, awakening God's kingdom, not only in our own hearts, not only in our own homes, not only in our own children, but in the lives of those around us. I thought it was interesting because Dr. Gossner went on and he, he talked about 
how trees communicate with one another by releasing chemicals into the air. They form community through the intertwining of their root system. They actually feed microorganisms in the soil, and they turn carbon dioxide into oxygen that you and I breathe. I, I think the picture of this is just so phenomenal as we realize your life, you are a spiritual ecosystem. Your life doesn't just affect you and your life. Literally, your life and your decisions, those conclusions that you're drawing, those decisions that you're making, those behaviors you're expressing, they are going to affect people in hundreds of directions in your life, in thousands and tens of thousands of directions beyond your life. So vital that we understand this. We can't afford just to live for ourselves. You were born for more than a self-serving existence. God wants to break that off as we begin to embrace his word. Psalms 119, verse 165. Great peace. There it is again, shalom. Great peace have they who love your law, and nothing can make them stumble. God's word produces shalom in your heart and stability in your life and ultimately releases something of the flourishing kingdom of God in the earth everywhere you go. It's been quite a Bible study this morning. Lots of, lots of verses. Let me give you the final verse. This is all on our blog. You can go and find every one of these verses, all this um, written out. So you can rehearse it if you'd like. And evaluate it and just meditate on what the Lord's desiring to reveal perhaps. But I just want to give you a final verse. And I found this very curious this week for a specific reason. It's, it's Psalms 147 verse 14. The worship team can go ahead and come back. He grants peace to your borders and satisfies you. What do you think that word peace is in the Hebrew? What do you think it is? Of course, shalom. But where does he grant? I love this. He grants peace to your borders. So Tracy and the girls and I are leaving the country in just a few weeks. And anytime this happens, we always encounter the same thing. We're going to go from the borders. What does it say? He grants peace to your borders. We're going to go from the borders of the United States, and then we're going to go to the border of England. And when we get to the border of England, we're going to walk up to somebody who will be designated as the immigration officer. Has anybody ever experienced immigration or border patrol? Anybody here ever experienced those interactions? And so you know what this is like. You walk up to the person, and they're not given awards for having a pleasant personality or a wonderful disposition. They are looking at you very, uh, with great speculation, with great caution. Their responsibility is not to make you feel good about being there. Their responsibility is to make sure you are not up to no good in being there. And this, this interrogation will begin. We'll stand there, and I'll look as nice as I can. I'm a little darker skinned, and so uh, when I leave the U.S., for some reason, people don't speak English to me. They, they try other languages. I, I guess I look like I'm not from America, and so I stand real next to, you know, real close to Tracy, and I hug her really close because, you know, short blonde, and, 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 and they're a little nicer to me when they see, you know, for whatever reason. So, so I will go up there, and they'll start saying these types of questions. This, this is what they're going to ask. What are you doing here? Where did you come from? How long do you think you're going to stay in this country? And then I love this one. Do you have family here? 
When you have any kind of drama, energy, emotion, anger, frustration, anything that does not resemble the kingdom of God starts to emerge out of you. I want to commission you to be the immigration officer that starts to bring in interrogation at your border, the peace at your border, the shalom at your border, the shalom at the border. If you don't match up with shalom, I'm going to interrogate you. You're not going to be allowed into the country of my heart, into my life. So, so I'm going to ask these questions. An emotion, how many of you have had an emotion before and it wasn't of the Lord? Like maybe five minutes ago I said something you didn't like it. So this emotion might start erupting within you and this is what you're going to do. You're going to say, what are you doing here? Where did you come from? How long do you think you're going to stay? Do you think you have family here? And many times the answer to that would be, yeah. There's some family in there. And I believe the Lord wants to deal with some of those issues that exist within us. And we need to begin to interrogate. We need to take every thought captive. And you'll be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is made complete. Isn't that a beautiful portion of Scripture? I am the immigration officer at the border of Shalom, and there are not going to be, there will be no pass through that particular border of my life with anything that is not pleasing to the Lord my God. I'm not going to get it right all the time, but I'm going to step this thing up. I'm just telling you right now, for me personally, as a man, as a Christian, not as a pastor, not any of those other things, just as a Christian, I want to guard my heart with a greater fervor than I've ever guarded it before, as God is awakening a deeper revelation of what it means to become everything God's designed us to become according to what it is that we're processing within. Guard your heart. Father, we thank you for the power of your word. We thank you, Lord, when we come together under the anointing of your spirit. We do more than just gather for nice singing and a positive message. But Lord, we long to encounter God in the way we gather, in the way we worship, in the way we experience your word. Your word says you don't need a man to teach you. The anointing will teach you. Church done right means we are all learning from God in these moments that we gather together. Help us to learn from you, Lord, as our way of life. Help us to constantly come back over and over, recognizing that what you desire to reveal is what we are designed to process. And the result of that produces this incredible expression of God's kingdom and shalom in the earth, in Jesus' mighty name. With your heads bowed, with your eyes closed, with your hearts open wide, if you're here, and you say, I don't know that I know the Lord Jesus Christ. This is where this begins. You surrender your heart and you say, Jesus is Lord. He came to rescue all of the earth from sin. And the sin in our lives plagues us and holds us back. And if you're here and you say, I've never made that decision. I want to surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you just raise your hand? I just want to pray for you specifically today. 
anybody at all. If you're here and you say, you know, I'm going to take another look at my personal immigration policy. I've been allowing some things in that shouldn't. Then I want you to lift both your hands just in surrender. Just hold them both up there. We're just surrendering our hearts, our attitudes, our minds, our thoughts, our emotions, everything that we are, Lord. We surrender to you. And we say, Lord Jesus, rescue us, redeem us. Thank you that you are our Savior. Help us to make you Lord every day that we live. Fill us with your Spirit to overflowing in the way we live, love, serve, and give. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise and a declaration today. He is worthy. He's worthy, worthy, worthy.